Welcome to The Golden Shadow, the podcast about psychology, philosophy, myth, mysticism, and mystery. My name is Aaron Rogerson. And I'm Alyssa Polizzi. Today we are talking about love. Love. Romantic love, more specifically. Mm. Love's a big topic. It is a big topic. There's a lot of different forms of love. Today we are focusing mostly on the rom- romantic notion of sure. love. yeah. Though I'm sure this will overlap with other forms of love that mm. we might or might not discuss if we have time. So a very simple way to describe or define love for me um, is the process of mutual disclosure. Hmm. And that's this notion that physically when we love someone in a very biological or genetic way, we take off our clothes, hmm. reveal ourselves to each other, reveal our naked bodies, and then we make love. We have sex. We reproduce so that's a very physical way to think about this we take off our clothes mutual disclosure i take off my jacket you take off your jacket i take off my shirt you take off your shirt Mm. but there's also an emotional and spiritual form of this which is that we are always surrounded by barriers emotional barriers or psychological barriers um things that we keep up to protect ourselves shields that protect us from other people yeah and part of the process of love is to take off those barriers maybe one at a time, Mm. slowly Mm. you take off a barrier, the person you're engaging with takes off a barrier, and you are disclosing. Right. And as you both disclose, you become more and more open to each other, more and more vulnerable Mm. to each other. Yeah. And in this way, you kind of come together as beings that are mutually invested and mutually vulnerable, but mutually protective Mm. of each other's vulnerability. Like, I'll, I'll keep you safe. You keep me safe. Right. You can be vulnerable around me. Yeah. I can be vulnerable around you. Right. And that's... There's trust there. There's a lot of trust. And for me, that's a useful way to think about love. Yeah. Yeah. And this doesn't happen naturally, right? Mm-hmm. Mutual disclosure is not something that we do totally naturally because mm-hmm. we have barriers for a reason. Right. We protect ourselves for a reason. We have um, shields up for a reason. And... I would say it's naive to think that you can go through life without that. I think that's part of what's so terrifying about love and the process of truly stepping out into the world and knowing that um, you're going to kind of come into collision with somebody and it's going to force your your boundaries or the walls that you've constructed around yourself, that protective armor to be challenged um, because there's this intrinsic draw that you've, feel that it sort of comes alive when you start to feel the beginning stages of love and of right. falling in love mm-hmm. and and it's kind of this this great leap into into the unknown um where there's all this potential for heartache and loss and disappointment and pain and you kind of spend your whole life trying to protect yourself from that just like right. naturally so it's it's certainly this this great um um, kind of releasing with faith and trust and vulnerability that the other person who's going to be engaging with you is going to catch you in as you fall, or maybe you're both kind of holding on to each other in this kind of intricate dance. Right, right. And when, when you're when you're feeling weak, I'll protect you. Mm-hmm. And when I'm feeling weak, you'll protect me. Yeah. Um, and that's whether or not it's spoken. It is sort of a contract that people are entering into. Certainly, it's certainly, certainly. an emotional contract which is that I'm trusting that you're not going to hurt me. Yeah. 
even physically, I'm trusting you're not going to beat me. I'm trusting you're not going right. to um, physically wound me, mm. rob me. Mm. Um, but also, you're just not. You're not going to leave me. Mm. You're not going to abuse me. Sure. You're not going to manipulate me. Yeah. And that's a an agreement that people are entering into when they enter into love. Mm. And if if one or both parties aren't actually agreeing to that, yeah. Um, it's not love, <laughs> right? And that's why or relationships certainly one sided love. One sided love, yeah. I mean, definitely you can love someone who doesn't love you back, yeah. for sure. And then we see that all the time. Yeah. But this definitely taps into this idea of the, the people that we love the most are the ones that can hurt us the most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you're vulnerable to them. Yeah. You've, you've let down barriers yeah. and you've let them in to your heart. Mm. And while they're there, while you, as you've taken off your armor piece by piece for someone, and it's, it's not just romantic, you know, it's for family, it's for, um, it could be for your children or your parents or friends, right. whatever, but you've taken off your armor for someone, uh, you're vulnerable to them. And while your armor is off, um, you can come together and become something more powerful. Yes. But also while your armor is off, they could just stab you. Right. Like, right. oh, they're exposed. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And that's really when heartbreak happens. And yeah. everyone experiences some form of that at some point in their life. Yeah, the kind of... Uh damage one takes in these situations when they've opened themselves up to love and it's gone awry for whatever reason kind of runs that chance then that you could be sort of forever traumatized or damaged to to open up again and I think that's something that we sometimes see with individuals who go through particularly difficult breakups um, or are in relationships that have ended up abusive um, or whatnot mm -hmm. There is a sense of how can I love again? Yeah. How can I trust again? How can I be open again? And and there is this closing in on yourself that can happen um, when when things aren't sort of um, let go in a peaceful way. Right, right. So last time I took my armor off, hmm. someone stabbed me. Right. And uh, I'm not taking my armor off again. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, I'm going to put on more and yeah. more, armor, yeah, more armor. And now <laughs> I will be impervious. No one will ever hurt me again. Yeah. But as we know, you will never love mm. if you are always putting on more and more right. pieces of armor. And the sort of sad and difficult and complicated thing about that is someone who's living that reality might not um, just stay alone in their bunker walled up away from the world, they may still desire to connect to other people and give right. the appearance of love and connection mm -hmm. when in reality, they just don't have it in them. Yep. And, and you run into an individual like that, who on your end, as we were talking about like that one sided love, um, when someone can't match that, or they're just too wounded to do so, it can lead to such incredible heartbreak and difficulty um, when you realize that you can't break down those walls. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And so we see that kind of problem in relationships all the time. Yeah. Someone is closed off. Yeah. They don't know they're closed off usually. Right. Yes. But the feeling of like, I can't reach you mm. for some reason. Why are you distant? Yeah. Um, why do you have your armor on right now? Right. I don't. I'm, right. My armor is off. Yeah. So you can take yours off too. Right. It's like, my armor is off. <laughs> It's like, okay, I mean, it doesn't feel that way because yeah. I feel like you're you're not being honest with me or mm. I feel like um, for some reason we can't talk about things. Mm. Um, I feel like you have an escape route planned. Yeah, It seems like you're ready to leave if things get rough. Mm. I can sense that. Mm. And that means you're not invested in me. It means that 
you haven't taken your armor off. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're ready to, to, as soon as things get difficult, you're ready to leap away. Yeah. Um, and relationships, it's really hard to find that balance of people being equally vulnerable mm-hmm. or uh, equally invested in each other yeah. and even striving for total equality is kind of a losing game. Sure. It's always sort yeah. of more messy than that. But mm. the the contract agreed upon, which is that no matter what, I will protect you mm. and no matter what, you'll protect me. Yeah. That makes things simple. Mm. And that's, you know, historically what marriage was evolved to do in the first mm. place was to kind of enforce this contract or this love contract yeah and um and have it have some level of assurance that what you're engaging in is uh has like a, a sustainability mm-hmm. <laughs> that a, a legacy can be built around a foundation can be built around it and if there's kind of the, the sense or the feeling that that could disappear at any moment it's really quite hard to to ground into life and 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 build something from it. Right, right. So an, another way that I think is useful to think about romantic love is is the merging, mm. right? This this image of two people um, becoming one person. Yeah. And um, I know that it's important for people to sort of maintain their own lives in some sense and maintain their own individuality. Sure. And we have a very individualistic culture Mm. where it's like be your own person like don't just be consumed by the relationship don't be consumed by your partner but i think it's true i think i I think it's undeniable that romantic love is a merging yeah there's again the physical merging Mm. which is like intercourse sex right you're kind of physically penetrating each other in some sense there's the uh the merging of the child which Mm. is a combination of you you guys merge and you produce something that is a combination yeah there's that kind of physical merging um but there's also the merging of your material lives Mm. your finances sure your living space yeah um your communities your friends it all kind of comes together Mm. um but um what's the least intuitive and what what i think is often ignored is that romantic love is also a merging of your emotional worlds um that someone's trauma will become your trauma if you're entering into a romantic relationship with them. Right. And if there's any sense from you that you would not want someone's trauma to become your trauma, like the idea of merging with someone else, if that's like, no, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want her to be in me. Mm, I would not want her hangups and her weird emotional stuff to be my weird emotional stuff. I wouldn't want her trauma to be my, my trauma. Yeah. It's like, you're not prepared for love then. Well, and we often think about when we're going to enter into a partnership like this, like, am I ready to take on the debts of my fiance, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the literal debts, I yeah, mean, like yeah. the financial debts and, you know, the credit card debts and, you know, you know, they need to pay off their car and their student loans. And it's like, okay, we can make this work. It's like, we actually have a conversation about that, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily have the conversation around the emotional exchange and the emotional debts and the mm-hmm. traumas that come with life and yeah. that we exchange and um, that kind of intermingle as we enter into relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And that is really a good marker of um, have you found the right person or are you in the right state of mind to be open to a truly deep, vulnerable, loving relationship? Because if you aren't able to uh, kind of sit with the, the debts of another individual and want to take it on to figure it out, um, 
you certainly should be questioning if, if this is the right time for you to be in a relationship. Certainly. So what can be gained from relationships is something that cannot be gained alone. Yeah. And this is another important point is that we're really creatures that are designed to be social mm-hmm. in a tribal sense. I mean, that's clear. It's like we being solitary is strange right. for human beings. Yeah. And even though a lot of us are a lot more isolated and solitary than we have been in the past, I think, um, it's really unnatural and really unhealthy. And so romantic relationships, partnerships are very powerful in helping you become more whole, more complete. Yes, we, we long for wholeness. We seek wholeness. And part of that work is being done on the individual's level of your unconscious, you may say, sort of driving you towards understanding the the parts of yourself um, that you're not aware of. But that wholeness that one is seeking ultimately uh, cannot fully be accomplished alone and must be done through relation to another individual. Um, It's really only through that process that we truly get to see all these parts of ourself and also all of, all of the things that life really has to offer. Right. So we've, we've alluded to this in previous podcasts, but the idea that other people, you know, mm. especially people that really care about you a lot can serve as mirrors yeah. for, for which you bounce yourself off yes. and you get to see yourself externalized. Yes. So if, if you um, have a strange vice that is manifesting, if you're close to people, they can actually demonstrate that mm-hmm. like, you're kind of falling off the path a little bit or your behavior is a little off and yeah. you need to think about it. Um, or even a little more concretely, if you just have ideas or questions, you can ask friends and they can let you know what they think. Mm-hmm. And other people serve as an externalization of ourselves. Yeah. And we bounce off each other. Yes. And with this, hopefully, together we all stay more balanced, ideally at least. But this is, this is definitely true for a romantic relationship. Right. Is that the, the other person... You're bouncing off each other and you are merging, um, but you're also becoming so intimate and so close that this person is really helping you sculpt yourself Mm. into a person to become complete. Yes. Um, And um, any troubles you have, your partner is bringing those troubles to the surface, whether you like it or not, (sighs) right? Right. And that's where we get into the, the, the shadow with this. Yes. Is that um, if you have a shadow, and you do, because everyone <laughs> does, um, you cannot hide that in a romantic relationship. No, You no. can try, and you can try, and you can try as hard as you want, but it's going to come out. Yeah, Your shadow is going to be called up to the surface. Yes, and maybe those first few months of a honeymoon, you know, phase of, of just lightness and, and love and attraction um, it is kind of like the general grace period before shadow really starts to come out mm-hmm. um, because then things start to get really real right. and you're faced with uh, difficult truth and difficult reality yeah. that must be faced. Right, right. That, that that pattern you're describing, there's like the honeymoon phase is over. There's, there's part of just the excitement and yeah. uh, thrill of the novelty. It, it fades, mm-hmm. but also people often have this experience in relationships and I've had this experience in relationships for sure. It's like you think you know 
who you're getting involved with. Mm. And then it takes maybe six months until they start to actually reveal who they are. Sure. And if you're actually like living together, so you move in together, it gets revealed much more quickly. Yeah. And you're yeah. sharing a loving space with someone, you really get to see them all yeah. the time and see what their habits are and, and who they really are mm. um, in terms of their vices, their darkness, their, sure. their woundings. Those things come to the surface. It's unavoidable. Right. And so that's something else that a partner does for you is that they bring your shadow to the surface. Yes, and yes. that's useful. Absolutely, because in, in some ways we seem to be drawn to these um, maybe undeveloped aspects of our um, our own shadow or aspects of our life that we sense in another person. Mm. So by finding it in another, we are kind of setting ourselves up for a situation where we might be able to kind of interact with it um, or feel fulfilled by it. Um, like an example is an, an individual who maybe doesn't have the strongest ability of expressing emotion and is kind of detached from that and finds a partner who's uh, quite expressive and open and joyous and very easy to read. And and through that, they, they feel this sense of awe and dynamic attraction. Um, but as those two people come into relationship, you start to realize that maybe the more open, expressive individual is holding all of the emotion for the relationship mm. and they start there. Then the tension comes right. because there is an imbalance and it's forcing the non-expressive individual to find their emotional core that they might be uh, detached from. Right. That might be disowned from them. And and that might be like a core uh, sort of sticking point. You know, the expressive individual wants more from the other person. Mm -hmm. And if the other individual isn't able to step into the that part of their shadow, that relationship could fall apart. Right. So we project our shadows on the other people. Yeah. And um, especially with romantic partners, they become containers for the shadow. Sure, yeah. We we're yeah. constantly projecting our shadow onto them and mm. things that we're not dealing with very effectively in ourselves, sure, we sure. start to believe that it's coming from the other person. Right. Yes. Um, the reason that I feel so anxious is because of you mm. when in reality, I, that's actually coming from inside me. Yes. And that, yes. that comes from the intimacy as yes. the merging again, as you start to, the other person starts to take on, um, a lot of what is inside you mm. without you realizing it. Yeah. And then you start to pretend that it's coming from them. Yeah. And vice versa. And that's why the shadows merge. Yes. Yeah. Your, your trauma, your hangups, the, the things that you have not integrated, the things that you haven't spent time reflecting on. Yeah. Whoever, whoever you used to be that you banished to the netherworld, whatever. Yeah. Those, those come out and they start to mingle and mesh mm. and the relationship uh, develops its own shadow yes strangely like the relationship <laughs> itself has yeah. a shadow right a shadow baby a shadow baby yeah that's <laughs> that's an interesting image um but it's true hmm? because what you bring to the table um and what the other individual brings to the table um sort of gives birth to something wholly new and, and we actually see this kind of emergent shadow property in families, yeah. you know, which is like collective uh, shadow aspects uh, that are coming together. Mm -hmm. um, we see it in societies um, in, or in like kind of grander cultures, um, the shadow of, you know, a particular country or a particular religion. So right. this is just a phenomena that is going to happen when people come together in some capacity. Right. The unintegrated energy the the banished energy mm. whatever you're repressing whatever yeah. you don't want to face whatever you don't confront 
that happens on an individual level. Yes. That we're, we're banishing ourselves, whatever yes. we don't like, whatever we don't want to uh, acknowledge or whatever mm-hmm. we're uh, afraid of, whatever is painful, we might banish that yes. to, to the shadow. And then with the relationship, there's something not being communicated between two people. It's that um, they're avoiding having a conversation about something they need to have a conversation about. Mm-hmm. And the shadow starts to form mm-hmm. this weird negative energy that's, yeah. that um, is not regulated because it's not integrated. It's just sort of pushed down yes. and as, as, as both individuals are pushing down this thing it's going at at some point to express itself, yes. but in a very inappropriate, yes. inopportune, potentially violent, right, not necessarily yeah. physically violent, but maybe like spiritually violent way, Sure, yeah. however you want to think of it. Yeah. Um, so it's important, as we've said, just as much as it's important for you to integrate your own shadow and to really try to confront that, that banished part of you, the relationships have to do the same thing together. Mm. And that's complicated. Two people makes it more complex. Absolutely. But it's, this is the container mm-hmm. of, of, of projection, of, of shadow exploration, of truly getting to know parts of ourselves. that is, it's, it's just too difficult to see on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, if we're seeking wholeness, if we're seeking balance um, and, and, and true integration of our experience and our being and finding those lost parts of ourself, both dark and light, then we must come into relation with another. And through that process, we are going to have to, to face a whole new beast and a whole new set of trials that feels at times cataclysmic um, and at times impossible. And it's, it's through fighting through that hellfire that you actually emerge stronger it's like consciousness rises you become more aware you see the world different you see other people differently you come to appreciate your partner in this wholly new dynamic way and it's only by holding the tension of the shadow or the issues that are uh, very aware and conscious um, that one truly can step into this emergent being um, because it's it's kind of impossible to do alone Right, so that's the the golden shadow of the relationship, right? Yeah. There's all this potential. Yeah. Um, again, the idea that, that your partner can bring you into personhood, yes. help help you sculpt yourself into who you're meant to be, right. and um, maybe your relationship doesn't work out, mm. and you guys split up, but still, it's likely you've learned a lot. It's yes. likely you've developed a lot as a person. Yeah. You've been through some hardship and yeah. suffering, and you've developed a lot of good strategies of how to deal with that. You've come to understand other people and how they function mm. in all kinds of ways yeah. with partners. Um, and you've come to understand how you function. Mm. You've come to understand, understand what you like and what you don't like, yeah. what makes you comfortable and what doesn't. Um, you've discovered yourself sexually in some in sure. some ways through a relationship. Yeah. You've discovered how other people work sexually. There's all kinds of things happening mm-hmm. with a partner that you cannot discover on your own, and that's the golden shadow of the relationship, yeah. bringing to the surface um, all these parts of you that have not been properly integrated. And through the partnership, through the loving, romantic relationship, you become more complete. Yes, yeah. It's merging of, of opposite um, energies, of opposing forces, 
because it's you and I, you know, we're as similar as someone might be to you. There's always going to be this difference and not literally because I'm in one body and you're in another, Mm -hmm. but that there's qualities that we have to come to terms with dynamics that don't quite fit into the way that we would. It just brings a sense of hardship and challenge and, um, a view that we couldn't have possibly gained from our own uh, subjective eyesight and viewpoint. And so through allowing ourselves to to do this dance, um, to kind of try to find the integration points and to allow the, the opposites to come into some sort of union, um, something else is created, something um, more than the sum of its parts. And that process should hopefully lift up both individuals into new heights. Okay, we're going to take a look at some tarot cards and some archetype cards and try to explore some of the themes of love contained within these decks. Mm. Love is obviously archetypal, if not the most archetypal thing about human experience in some sense. Um, So the first card from the tarot deck that we're going to explore is card number six, the lovers. The lovers. Um, The imagery on this card is sort of... A reference to Adam and Eve. Yes. Two yes. naked people, one male, one female. There's a tree with a serpent on it in the mm-hmm. background. Uh, there's a another tree that appears to have little flames mm-hmm. coming out of it yeah. on the branches. Um, and then there is a angel um, between them that seems benevolent and goodwilled. Yeah. Is, there, is there supposed to be a specific angel? Do you know? Not that I know of. Uh, um, like but Saint Gabriel or something. Uh, not that I've been able to find, but there's always there's always guesses. So mm-hmm. I always like to say, you know, what do you see in the symbol? What What is the archetype expressing to you? So if you see a particular angel or a saint or something, then, you know, that's correct. Mm-hmm. But um, what's interesting about this card is, is first thinking about it in relation to the major arcana, which mm-hmm. it is. So one of the 22 um, grander deeper, uh, mysterious lessons that we're all kind of moving through these large archetypal patterns. And Mm -hmm. so nested within this card is dimensions of possible meaning and experience. But in the broad strokes, we're looking at union and love and relationship and what happens when we come into relationship, how it shapes us, Mm -hmm. what it teaches us how it destroys us and builds us back up again. You know, we're not necessarily looking at, um, this one time when you dated someone and it didn't go right. It's like, "Mm, maybe that's kind of nested somewhere within it. But when we pull a major arcana, we think about the grand power of the archetype itself. And so here we have, um, as you express, you know, this, this imagery of Adam and Eve, we have the tree of knowledge behind her and um, to the right is like the tree of life behind um, Adam. Right. And there is kind of uh, the sense of what's being brought up here is the power of the union, um, the the merging of the two opposing elements coming into harmony and coming into balance and what happens when these forces kind of clash into each other and 
Um, so it's expressing deep, powerful relationship and love and romantic attraction and depth of, of human connection. Um, but also this card in its more subtle forms speaks to how it shapes you as an individual. Mm. And, and we kind of touched on this a little while ago, you know, what happens when we date and we come into relation with others and we start to figure out what we like and what we don't like and what works for us and what doesn't and what we need and what we don't need and yeah. teaches us our boundaries. And I see this card come up sometimes really showcasing that for an individual. Okay. The next card is the two of cups. Yes. This card shows a man and a woman coming together. Uh, they each have a cup in their hand that makes two cups. And there is an interesting symbol above them that I actually do not know anything about. So maybe yeah, you can explain. This is the Caduceus. Uh, Caduceus? Which is, this is Hermes' staff. Or okay. it's kind of like an embellished version of Hermes' staff because um, it has this giant lion lion's head on top of it. So mm -hmm. usually um, Hermes' staff is has two twin snakes wrapped around it. It has... Um, big wings coming out the side and this has a lion head in the middle. So maybe that evokes passion and power. Um, and this, this, um, just very like a sort of mastered kind of natural element. Um, very, very much in touch with, with the instincts. Um, so between the two, um, individuals who are offering the cup, which represents, um, emotions and, um, heartfelt experiences, um, right. in the tarot, we're diving into the watery element with cups. So it's all about connection to other people and how it affects us. Right. The more um, unconscious feeling world, but mm. relationships, specifically yeah. the kind of love energy yes. that flows through us quite naturally yeah. that really makes us who we are. Yeah. And this card is is tapping into um, handing a cup to each other, mm. which is for a sense, here, here are the contents of my heart yes. or my soul. Yeah. And they're for you. Mm. Maybe to keep safe, maybe mm. to drink, yeah, something like that. But sure. there's sort of an exchange of yes. like, uh, I'm becoming you and you're becoming me. Yeah. We're, we're merging, we're entering into some sort of agreement or contract where we're becoming um, one heart, one soul. Yes, yeah. They each have a cup extended to the other. They're facing um, each other kind of face to face. So it's a very engaging image um, that is meant to call to your attention what can happen when one is willing to enter into partnership and relationship in this way. And, um, it of course really brings to mind romantic love. Um, it can be a little bit more platonic. It can sort of express, um, very powerful relationships that don't, um, have that romantic element to it, but it's something that's drawing the individual into something much deeper, something much more powerful. And, we can kind of think of the, the symbol of the caduceus in a few ways, both that Hermes represented commerce and exchange. Um, mm. So in that way, he's actually kind of like that, that patron um, god of allowing things to flow yeah. and, and move in society in a way that actually works. Um, but there's also kind of Hermes as psychopomp, which is this idea that he kind of is um, a, a leading you into the deeper parts of your spirit and soul and so um, representative of what happens when we allow ourselves to be taken into the unconscious realm or into these deeper parts of our being that comes through entering into relationship with people. Um, it's often sort of thought of that um, 
you know, we we see in another these parts of ourselves that will bring wholeness and parts of our being that actually awaken things within us that we didn't know was there. And so, you know, your partner in in a way is acting as that psychopomp. They're taking you to the places you didn't know that you could go. <laughs> yeah. That you didn't know that you could go to. Um, and it's through that, through their inspiration, through their love, through their challenge, whatever it might be, that they take you to these these parts of yourself that are sort of waiting to come into existence. All right, moving on to the archetype cards. Um, as a reminder, these are archetypes on each card, and they have a light side and a shadow side that is mm. supposed to reflect, in some sense, a virtue yeah. version of this archetype and a vice mm. version of this archetype. So the first is lover. Um, the light attributes of the lover archetype are great passion and devotion. Mm unbridled appreciation of someone mm. or something okay yeah so passion yeah it's really what it's it's an awakening evoking awakening as i was kind of mentioning before sure you know yeah the heart opening up um to a new world yeah. to a new energy um coming into yourself in some way through this passion yeah that really makes us what we are mm. makes us alive yeah to to have lived and never loved is to truly sort of um, not not to ex experience the depth of, of human potential, I think. Right. You're really not functioning as a human being, I would put forward. Yeah. In, in it, any way you want to look at it, if you want to even just look at it as, as a evolutionary materialist way, if you, mm. if you were not engaging in um, love, mm. coming together, reproduction, that you're sort of failing as a human being, I would say, to do what you were designed to, designed to do. Um Let's see, the shadow attribute of this card is obsessive passion that harms hmm. others. Sure. Or self-destructive devotion. Sure. Where passion is unbridled um, mm. or immature or uh, not checked by one's ability to to know their own limits or to respect the, the boundaries and limits of others. Right. So this, this idea, again, of, of, of mutual disclosure, of uh, taking off your pieces of armor mm. in order to expose yourself to someone else who is doing the same. Um, a, a way to do that wrong is to just throw all your armor off <laughs> and not check to see if the other person is doing the same. Yeah. Just be like, I am yours. Right. Do what you will with me. Like, right. I love you. I'm committed to you. And the other person hasn't demonstrated in any way that they feel the same. Yeah. And they've seen that they don't have to. Mm. So that's that's a dangerous situation. Yeah. So someone who is young, I would say, naive. Right. Often, or, or coming from a place where they so desperately want to be loved. Certainly. need to be loved that they're willing to just throw everything off that protects them. Right. And there are people out there who will use that for their own gain. Yes, frequently. <laughs> Even people who aren't malicious, yeah. who aren't malevolent in any way, yeah. if, if they see someone who is willing to give them everything mm. for nothing in return, yeah. it's hard for people to say no to that. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving on. Okay. Um, why don't you read this one? All right. Companion. So we have loyalty, tenacity, and usefulness. Oh, just kidding. Unselfishness. <laughs> it's it's like, very that's light. That's an interesting <laughs> way to phrase it. 
Well, actually, companion, it made sense to me. So maybe that was a little bit of a parapraxis, slip of the tongue. I think a companion should be someone who who fulfills something in your life that is useful. Like, I need my companion to be useful and not in a way that you treat them like an object. Right. But that they serve a purpose just as I should serve a purpose for them. You should definitely strive to be useful to people that you love yes and if you are being unuseful to people that you love that you should probably change your behavior yeah so loyalty and tenacity you're just sticking with the individual yeah that's the contract yeah the commitment that's the contract um you know if you're entering into the the love world you are hopefully expressing loyalty and mm-hmm. devotion and saying i will commit to this thing we're building together the relationship and I will be diligent and treat it with respect and I'll show up on time mm. and I'll put in the work yeah. and I'll be very useful. <laughs> All right. So the shadow, we have betrayal by misusing confidence um, and loss of personal identity. Mm. Right. So that taps into what I said before is that you are merging yeah. when you enter into a romantic relationship and we often view the idea of losing yourself to be a a bad thing Mm. i think there's always a balance here yeah right you should not completely forget who you are Mm. in favor of your partner or in favor of the relationship there's a balance yes at the same time you can't insist that you somehow maintain total identity and independence and still have a romantic relationship that's really going to work yeah very well um so you definitely don't want to lose your personal identity within a relationship. The idea is that your identity will actually be augmented and and strengthened, strengthened and yes. amplified, and amplified. you you will become who you are meant to be yes. in conjunction with someone else yes. who is hopefully achieving the same. Mm. Um, the betrayal aspect of companion, obviously, um, betrayal right. is one of the worst things that someone can experience yeah. is when someone that they trusted and loved um, does something terrible to them. That That's why betrayal ignites within us such a strong urge for revenge <laughs> and uh, yeah. often violent revenge. Right. And that's why that's a, a real thing that happens all the time is yeah. when lovers betray yeah. their partners, they often will just murder them. Yeah. And yeah. Well, crimes maybe of passion. Not often, but crimes of passion. Um, so betrayal is, yeah. is certainly a shadow side of entering into companionship. Yeah. All right, one more. Uh, this is the virgin archetype. Mm. The light attributes of the virgin are maintaining symbolic purity mm. of heart and spirit. Yeah. Not necessarily purely symbolic, I would say. Sure. It depends, depends what you mean. There's definitely versions uh, in the literal sense yeah. where you have not had sex yet. Um, but this notion of someone who is refraining from entering into the romantic realm, mm. um, possibly for good reason, sure. but um, to remain pure. Mm. And this idea that romance, relationships, any relationship at all yeah. is messy. Yeah, It's yeah. always messy and it's always simpler you might say to just be alone sure. or to refrain from getting deep with anyone or refrain from taking off your armor. Sure. For instance. I, I think also what comes to mind for me is the idea of 
being within that archetypal space until you've really found what feels right. And mm-hmm. there's not necessarily a need to to jump into a relationship to figure things out or to, to play that game that something much more deeper is calling you to hold back. And, and that doesn't mean like you're just a prude. It's it could just be some some inner knowing that makes you refrain um, and then maybe when when the timing is right uh, that steps aside you're you're done with that and, and and you step into another archetypal framework right right there's a there's a balance of course is yeah. is you can even just the idea of, of spending time alone solitude is good certainly independence is good yeah uh, being comfortable with yourself is good yeah uh, abstinence can be good sure. depending on what we're talking about but there is a, a a right time, mm. a balanced time for you to enter into a relationship with someone. Yeah. And uh, it might not be now. It mm. might be later. If you've ended a relationship recently and you've decided that you want to be single for a long time to yeah. heal and work on yourself mm. and reorient um, your life to where it needs to go, you might be practicing being a virgin again right. in some sense and when the time is right you'll be ready ready to enter into the romantic love exchange mm, yeah at the right time mm-hmm. and now it's time for us to analyze a dream except this time it's two dreams yes. from two people Two people wrote into us, two friends actually, who had very similar dreams on the exact same night involving the same four people. So So two female friends mm-hmm. are writing in with yes. their two dreams. Yeah. Both dreams were about one of the girls and her ex boyfriend mm-hmm. and the boyfriend's male friend. Yes. So two girls. Yeah. Two guys. Yep. Dream one. Do we have names? We don't have names. Dream one. Late at night, my friend and I decided to go to a train station. At the station, we ran into my ex and his best friend. We ran through empty waiting lines, and eventually I had an idea to turn off all the lights on the platform and find each other in the dark. My friend turned off the lights, and everyone hid. I was the only one left on the platform in the dark. Creepy men came towards me, and I ran into rooms to find my friend, ex, slash his friend. I guess the friend and his ex, that's what that means. I couldn't find anyone, and after stumbling around in the dark for a while, I found my ex. He told me, I really wish I could stay to help, but I cannot. Hmm. Dream two. I had a dream that I was in a group chat with my best friend, her ex-boyfriend, and his best friend. My best friend and her ex were flirting with each other on the group. Then in my dream, I fell asleep. And when I woke up again, I saw that I had 488 missed messages from the group chat, and my best friend was upset that some little boy in the park called her Puffy, (laughs) even though she is skinny as fuck. (laughs) All right, so two dreams. Two dreams. They involve the same four four people, people, which is the two dreamers. Yes, the two dreamers. Two females. Two females and two two guys, one of which is the ex-boyfriend of uh, one of the dreamers and his best friend. So it, it's an interesting thing to tap into first, which is what is happening in our everyday life when we 
um, the interactions we have, the, the things that are happening in our life impact us in such a deep way that it emerges in the unconscious, in the dreamscape. And not only is it like, yeah, I dreamed of you like last week. It's like we seem to have very similar dreams mm-hmm. on the same night. It's very synchronistic. Right. And if they're, if they're spending a lot of time together, if they're close friends, it, it makes sense that their energies, yeah, whatever that means, are right. aligned in some right. way. They probably have similar worldviews. They have yeah. similar schedules, probably. Yeah, they mentioned in their submission form that they both actually have gone through a breakup recently and have been connecting over the shared experience um, that both of their exes have left them in similar ways. Um, but still want them in their lives as friends. And so they're probably going through this experience together, kind of trying to process and and figure out where they stand in relation to this heartbreak and this loss of the relationship. Hmm. Um, so for the first dream, some of the things that came to mind for me is um, that they were at a train station. So I'm thinking a lot about places of departure and arrival Certainly. movement. Yeah. Um Often, like, these kind of modes of transportations can really represent someone's agency or lack of agency. And right. and and I always like to ask, you know, what is the vehicle that's at play here? Is it a mm-hmm. car? Are you driving it? Someone else driving it? If it's a train, often someone else is at the wheel or at the train control station. So, you know, anyways. <laughs> however um, you make trains go. <laughs> yeah, however they go. So, it, so we're exploring some ideas of maybe, especially because she's she was dumped, you know, this right. feeling of not having control. Um, right. I think that uh, platforms are also interesting compared to like a car, for mm, instance, because yes. platforms are definitely places where people say bye to each other. Yeah. Yes. Right. There's yes. the arrival and it's like re- reuniting right. with people who are waiting for you. Yeah. And then there's, I don't know what's more stereotypical in movies than like a train departure <laughs> right. where someone's on the train like waving out the window like bye and yeah. the the like the lover is running after her mm-hmm. like wait i forgot to give you like this letter yeah. like that's so common right so this idea of um leaving each other yes or separating yes for a long period of time perhaps yeah maybe forever yeah um in her form she also mentioned that when the lights go off and they go into the dark that she felt a sense of panic, that the dream shifted from being one of excitement and fun, of running around, interacting the four of them, to suddenly uh, strangeness, panic, creepy weird men who mm. are chasing after her. And there's a sense of wanting to find those three other individuals. Um, and we can think about that exploration of one venturing into the shadows now of their experience and and what's coming up in this place of, of pain and difficulty after losing the relationship is often um, your energy kind of regresses. It goes back into you. You don't feel full of life. You're not happy. You can mm-hmm. be depressed. It's like, what are you facing now in the darkness? Yeah. What fears, um, what's kind of being brought up into your consciousness and and having that um, show up in the dreams is, is something that I would ask the, the dreamer to consider more of, of, of what they're kind of grappling with. Um, and what's especially poignant is the way this dream ends, which is her finding the ex and him saying, I really wish I could stay to help you, but I cannot. Yeah. And if, if, if the unconscious was ever trying to compensate something, it could be that if, if this dreamer is holding on to some aspect of the relationship coming back together, the unconscious parts of your being might recognize that they just don't have it in them right mm. now, mm. that this is something that must be um, emphasized um, especially by having 
this exclamation happen right as the dream ends. We always want to think about where does the dream close because that's really your final moment in that space. So I'm not sure how the dreamer is dealing with this, but if, if there's a sense of wanting to return back to that place, mm -hmm. uh, the unconscious might be really asking them to, to reevaluate and look at both their shadow and also where that partner is at and why they left them in the first place. Right, right. And um, the second dream... Yeah. This the individual who has dream two is is not in a relationship with either of the men. No, no. no. But so she, she's seen she, this sort of through the eyes of yeah, her friend. Yeah. In a way, and she's has a perception yes. from outside of the relationship. Right, because she's seeing them in the the group texts. She's seeing them flirting with each mm -hmm. other, um, and in in this aspect, she's been watching these things play out. She's been a party to this dynamic. Yeah. Um, a phenomenon that we do see in dreams is like you fall asleep and you wake back up and you're still in the dream. Mm -hmm. And you know, why does that happen? Who knows? But I like to think that it emphasizes the moment upon awakening in the dream and what's then happening. What's the feeling tone when you wake up? What are you experiencing? What is the conscious, um, part of yourself waking up to and in this case there's um dynamic with the group chats kind of gone crazy there's all these messages her best friend's upset there's some sort of young masculine figure as well and so maybe the friend has some insight into the situation that could help them in general bring some more insight or um, perspective, um, whether that's because she knows the ex as well, maybe she's going through her own situation and can just sort of bring some perspective that can really help both of them sort of move forward. The fact that the dreamer has this impression of uh, falling asleep and then missing out mm. on a lot of things that have happened yeah. in the group chat. So she says she has 488 missed messages. Right. From the group chat that evokes some notion of perhaps concern for her friend that yeah. there's things happening that she's unaware of yeah or if she you know again stops paying attention that her friend and the ex are going to get into a, a bad situation mm. or that she's she's not participating in a way that she would like to she feels sort of a lack of agency perhaps yeah yeah, I would say the things that I would contemplate is what is going on under the surface here with these relationship dynamics between her best friend and the ex for, for her, the second dreamer as well. What are you picking up on? How what How is this affecting you? Um, and how can you look at, you know, the imagery and the symbolism that's come up in a way that helps you look at the situation from a new perspective and approach it with a little bit more balance? Do you have a question for us? Do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover? We want to hear from you. Contact us through a submission form, which can be found on our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash golden shadow podcast. Thank you.